Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. One more time, would you clap your hands to the Lord and thank Him for what we've already felt here today. I told Sister Amanda last Sunday, we knew that we were going to tag team today, and I told her that um, I wasn't looking forward to that (laughs) for obvious reasons. Thank you for the word of the Lord. I thank her for her attentiveness to the word of God and the things that the Lord shows her and that she brings out of scripture. Certainly very appreciated. And I thank you for being in the house of God today. We're going to start this morning in 1 Kings 18 and 30. I'm going to read a couple verses of scripture here. 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 30. And then we're going to read verses 36 through 39. The Bible says in verse 30, And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. We drop down to verse 36. The Bible says, And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell, consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. And for just a title this morning, I want to speak to you from this subject, an appointed time, an appointed time. Would you just lift your hands one more time and would you just ask the Lord to anoint his already anointed word to our hearts this morning. God, we thank you for allowing us to be in this house, God. We are privileged people, God, to be able to come before you. We thank you for your mercy and your grace, God. And so we're asking you now to take this word that we've just brought our lives around here today, God, to touch our hearts and our minds, God. Help us to pull it in to where we are. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. may be seated. 1 Kings chapter 16 through 18 
contain very familiar characters and very familiar accounts in Scripture. It's here in chapter 18 that we find ourselves in the middle of an ongoing narrative between Elijah, the prophets of Baal, and King Ahab. The book of First and Second Kings provide us historical details regarding the rule and the reign of the kings in Israel and in Judah. You see, Israel had begged God for a king. And God allowed them to experience human rule, which ultimately resulted in less than desirable circumstances. This kind of humanistic approach and the desire to be more like the nations that surrounded them subsequently divided their kingdom. The kingdoms of Israel and Judah, the kings that ruled over them, kept their own desires above the people and led them deeper and deeper into sin. Ahab is among one of the recorded succession of kings, and his account is closely intertwined with the accounts of Elijah's prophetic ministry. The story of Elijah confronting King Ahab sets the stage for a contest between Jehovah and Baal, the Canaanite storm god. You see, along with his wife Jezebel, Ahab reigned in Israel for the space of 22 years. And he followed the trend of the kings that were before him, doing evil in the sight of the Lord. Yet Ahab extended that evil exponentially greater than those that had ruled before him. In 1 Kings 16, 30 through 33, the Bible says that he was the son of Omri, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings that were before him. And so for this cause... And many like him, God sent prophets among the people. These men, these prophets, were to stand in stark contrast to the evil that was being carried out in the nation. Elijah was a man of of, of such stature. Elijah was a such called prophet of God. Elijah was a God-called man. He was the witness against the folly that was being wrought among the people. Elijah was called to be the change agent or the choice generator, a mouthpiece of God and an oracle of the Most High. He was to hear from God and he was to convey what he heard to the people. Elijah was to bring about change and Elijah was to facilitate a revival spirit in, in Israel. God called Elijah and he strategically placed him in the middle of an evil and corrupt people to do one thing, to boldly proclaim his word. That's what God did. God called Elijah. He put him in the middle of an idolatrous people to carry out his plan. One man, we know the why, 
But how? How could one man succeed in the face of such insurmountable odds? First, let me tell you this morning, if you don't already know, but God always uses unconventional methods to carry out His plan and His purpose. And God always defies human logic to bring about the miraculous in this world. History is replete with small, seemingly less capable people, less capable armies, and less capable nations that have utterly defeated their large, well-funded, well-trained, and fully capable counterparts. That's why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26, he said, For see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. And this is the reason why that no flesh should glory in his presence. Elijah was no exception. He was outnumbered and he was outmatched. Nevertheless, Elijah was successful and let's look at why he was successful. First and foremost, I believe that his success hinged on the very important point that not only did God call him, but Elijah answered and Elijah obeyed the mandate that was placed upon his life. Answering the call, Elijah came out of the proverbial shadows and stepped onto the scene and right into the middle of his purpose. The Bible says that God commanded him to present himself to Ahab in 1 Kings 18 and 1. But what we must understand was this was no small task. This was no light thing because Jezebel had begun killing the prophets of God, sending a remnant of them into hiding. The Bible says that Obadiah hid them in a cave by 50s. They were in the cave. They were, they were, they were safe. They were ineffective, but they were no longer viable. Yet one man by the name of Elijah was bold enough to stand in direct opposition to the things that were being wrought in the nation. He answered the call of God to be what God needed for the hour. Can I tell you today that we too live in a sin-saturated world and through process of time, our society's moral fabric has been torn and the foundation has eroded. The minds of people are perverted and the minds of people have been subverted into living lives that are contrary to the word of God. And each generation has erased the line and removed the old landmarks that were once held in such high esteem. But I'm here to tell you today that it's time that baptized in Jesus' name, Holy Ghost filled men, women, and families and whole churches really live called out. Called out. Out of darkness and into his marvelous light. 
commanded to show forth the praises of the one who has rescued them. It's time. It is past time for every individual to fulfill their individual purpose in the kingdom of God. It is time that individually we stand in direct opposition to the things that are going on in this world and we preach and we reach and we witness and we proclaim the truth to every creature. We are, in effect, God's elect. We are God's chosen for this hour. But hear me, just because you're called and just because you're chosen doesn't automatically put you in a position to do the will of God and the work of God. It is my responsibility to fulfill that calling and make that election sure. You see, the calling of God calls a weight and it carries a responsibility. But hear me, it also carries a target. The mandate that is on your life carries a large target for an enemy that wishes to stifle your forward progress and to silence the voice of truth even in your own life. His goal was then and it is now to intimidate, to isolate, to tempt us into backing down and blending in and quitting before God has won the battle. So with all of that is going on, all of the things that are going on, our calling must be made sure and we must make a decision right here and right now. We must make a decision right here and right now whether we're going to quit and withdraw into obscurity or whether we're going to stand strong and face our enemy. Hear me today. Even if you're the only one, it's time to stand. Even if you're the only one on your job, it's time to stand. Even if you're the only one in your school, it's time to stand. And even if you're the only one in your family, it's time to stand. It's time to do the work and the will of God. And as long as we conduct our lives... And as long as we prepare ourselves according to the word of God, I've got something marvel here. God will back us up. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. He will confirm his word. He will. He will. You see, we're living in now the time of the Jezebel effect. We're living... In a Jezebel generation. It's a generation of rebellion that pushes against the principles and the precepts of God. You see in the book of Kings, she is more than just eye candy. In the book of Kings, she's more than just a side-by-side standing behind a king. No, she's the brain of the operation. And although Ahab was king, she didn't carry out her role as queen by simply being 
by his side. Can I just pause here and tell you this? That if we go out in the world and try to grab a hold of something that they've got and try to pull it into our lives, it's not going to let us do the ruling. It's going to rule over us. It's going to make the decisions. It's going to tell us what to do. It's going to tell you when to wake up and when to go to bed and when you can eat and when you can do this and do that. You see, her name means Baal is exalted. Right, right. Her daddy's name was with Baal. Eth Baal. And so Ahab goes into the world and gets something with the world and brings it back into the nation. And then it begins to rule the nation. And it begins to make all the decisions. You see, she took the lead. And they together promoted Baal worship in the midst of Israel. They built an altar and they planted groves and they incorporated elements of Baal worship along with elements of Jehovah worship. They blended the two together and they introduced a synchronistic way of worship blending them together and making a more universal way of worshiping. Think about it. Yes, sir. It was a more appealing doctrine. It, It went along with the flow. It was easy. was more politics than it was actual devotion. It appealed to the masses. And now this should sound familiar, not because we're reading it in the Old Testament, but because that spirit is alive and well in our 21st century society. Elijah was the man that was set to change all of that. Elijah was the man that was going to be the restorationist in the midst of an idolatrous people. Elijah was set to prove once and for all that there is no syncretism. There is only one way. There is only one choice. And there is only one way to go. He said in 1 Kings 18, 19 through 21, he said to gather all Israel unto Mount Carmel. The prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered not a word. He asked them, how long are you going to halt between two opinions? How, how long are you going to go back and forth, hopping back and forth between two proverbial branches, not knowing what you desire? You simply cannot do both. You can't serve two masters And you can't survive sitting on a fence. The Bible is very clear. You must make a choice. And you must decide which way you are going to go. And so Elijah presented the people with a final choice. Follow Baal or follow Jehovah. Hear me today. Our purpose and our lives are no different First, we must decide which way we're going to go. And hear me, as a result, it will influence the world around you. It will influence everyone around you. Whether you make the choice to go left or whether you make the choice to go right, it will be influenced and it will have 
and impact. You see, we serve, or at least we're supposed to serve, as living examples right. of what right choices really are. Yes. About 20 years ago, you could look at me and say, that's what wrong choices will get you. But I hope here today that I'm able to stand before God and all these people to say that is what right choices will get you. Our lives. Our lives should really look like what it looks like to be redeemed. We ought to show the world around us what right choices look like. Psalm 107 and 1 through 2. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. My life ought to say so, that God has pulled me out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We should show a difference. We should show a difference between our lives and the world around us. And so Elijah presents both the prophets, the people, and King Ahab with a contest. You present a sacrifice, call on your gods, and I'll present a sacrifice, and I'll call on my God. And the God who answers by fire, let him be God and follow him. And so we all know the story, but just indulge me for a few moments. The 450 prophets of Baal, they build their altar, they prepare their sacrifice, and they call on their God from morning until noon, and again from noon until evening with no response. There's not even a hint of action or reaction from what they have done. They ritualistically worshipped him. They ritualistically worshipped and cut themselves with stones. But it was to no avail. The Bible says that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. But now, now it is Elijah's turn. Now it is the man of God's turn. After all the ritual. After all of their theatrics and after all their false prophesying, what transpires next creates the atmosphere for the true God to speak. Not a God, but the God. Not a God, but the living God. Not just a God, but the God of heaven and in earth. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Now I know you know this and I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. But he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. You see Elijah didn't repair the altar that the the, the prophets of Baal broke down. He repaired the altar of the Lord. He, He repaired the altar that rebellion and false religion had broken down. Elijah reared up the original altar that already existed. Hear me today if we are going to get God's attention the first and foremost thing that we must do individually is rebuild the altar of the Lord in our lives in order to get God to respond to anything that I 
do. I must get in line with his word and I must get in line with his will and with his plan. Elijah, Elijah did not attempt to rebuild or to or to, to build upon what the prophets of Baal had begun. He did not attempt to perfect their program. He didn't try to mimic their antics or somehow capitalize on the philosophies that was being brought out in front of him. No, Elijah, he went way, way back and he pulled something out of the past that had already been settled. He reached way back. He didn't try to take what they had done and try to make it better. He didn't try to take what they had done and try to somehow capitalize on that. No, Elijah, he went back to the basics. He went down to the foundation and he built his altar on the bedrock of what God had already instituted. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob unto whom the word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. He took 12 foundation stones the word of God that came to Abraham, Isaac and of Jacob. He said if you'll come out from among them, if you'll go into a land that I'll show you, I'll make a great nation of you. I'll make you one. I'll make you great. I'll do what I said I would do. He took those 12 stones. He took those foundational stones and he built on the principles and the precepts of God and the plan of God. Hear me. He went way back into the Pentateuch and he took out Deuteronomy 6 and 4 and he said here O Israel the Lord our God is one Lord and he was going to be a, na- a king of a nation of one of one of one so he built on the highest authority and he built his altar in the name of the Lord in the name of Jehovah hear me our lives our lives must be built on nothing less they must be built on the foundation of God's holy word and they must be built in the highest authority that is why we are 1000% correct when we say you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins that is is the foundation. There is no other name. There is no other way. Every Old Testament title that has ever been given to the one true God, Jehovah, is all revealed unto us now in the name of Jesus Christ. Wherefore, God has also exalted him, highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved and whatsoever you do in word or deed do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God and the Father by him and so our altars must be built on the name of Jesus Christ he is the chief cornerstone. He is the foundation stone and so everything must be built on him. The next thing that Elijah did was he filled the trench. He commanded the people to fill the trench roundabout with water with 12 barrels of water. He left no doubt 
that what was about to happen would be an absolute miracle. He set the wood in order. He prepared the sacrifice. And he cut the sacrifice in pieces. And he laid it on the wood. Now this was no random act. He was not making this up as he went. No, he reached way back in Leviticus chapter 9. When God told Moses and Aaron, he commanded them to prepare a sacrifice for the people. And at the culmination of that preparation, God consumed that sacrifice from heaven by fire. We're not going very much deeper than this. And so I'll just tell you right now, it's super simple. Elijah did everything according to the word of God. Elijah didn't take any shortcuts and he didn't look for any loopholes and he spared no expense. Elijah didn't appear and appeal for easy solutions or quick fixes. He simply carried everything out according to the plan and the purpose of God that had already been instituted. Hear me today. When we do the same, we have no choice but to draw the attention of God. When we do the same, we have no no choice but to draw the favor of God. When we preach His Word, He will back it up. And when we proclaim His truth, He will confirm His Word. He will confirm His Word. So there was an overwhelming majority against him. There was an overwhelming majority against Elijah. There was an overwhelming and outmatched majority against him. Outnumbered and in his flesh outmatched by the world standards. But he had something that the prophets of Baal only wished they had. But he had the favor of the living God. Hear me today. That same God that answered by fire on Mount Carmel is in this house today. That same God that was there with Elijah is here with us today. He's not on a journey. He doesn't sleep and he doesn't slumber. But let's just face facts for a moment. If Elijah was in that predicament, then so are we. We are outnumbered. We are compassed on every side. We are living in a world where an overwhelming majority preach and believe a message that is contrary to the word of God. And people are seemingly flocking to it in droves. Holiness and separation are unpopular topics in what is called Christendom today. But God's word was true then. It is true now. He said, wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you and will be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and daughters saith the Lord Almighty hear me today I say this with great boldness in this house today holiness and separation and proclaiming the truth of God's word and teaching his unadulterated word of God it may repel some but hear me it attracts God. It may take some out those doors, but it brings him into our midst. It draws 
It draws the attention of the Most High. It garners the favor of the Most High and the King of Kings. And with it, it brings an anointing that can break every yoke. It doesn't matter what walks in that door. God's power is good enough. It's powerful enough to break every chain, to break every chain of bondage, to break every chain of sickness, to break every chain of sin and debauchery. I'm going to get kind of spooky on you for a minute, but I don't care. I'm telling you right now, the Bible says that the angels desire to look in to this. And when they hear what we're doing in this house, they come near and they can be tangibly felt. There is a host of angels that are encamping around this building right now. It would kind of scare me if I saw them, but I'm just thankful that I can feel them. I'm thankful when they come near, and I believe that I have Bible for that. The Bible says that the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. So I'll tell you today, outnumbered, yeah, we probably are in our flesh, absolutely, but we're not in the flesh. We're in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. And if you are in the spirit, then you are his. And if you are his, nothing, nothing can be against us. Nothing can come against us. Now I'm coming down for landing, but I always have a long runway. We're going to taxi. Our musicians will get ready. Elijah prayed. The Bible says, and it came to pass at the time of the offering, the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench and when all the people saw it they fell on their faces and they said the Lord he is the God the Lord he is the God the God of Abraham Isaac and of Israel Elijah prayed to the only God and at the appointed time the evening sacrifice God answered by fire. So you may ask this question today. What does all of this have to do with me? Or what does all of this have to do with us? I believe that I've already answered that question. But let me say it again. There is an appointed time for everyone in this building. You see, we are living in the midst of an idolatrous perverse and corrupt people. The gods of this world has blinded the eyes of many into thinking that they can live out their lives according to what is right in their own eyes. But God is calling a people to live contrary to the edicts of the world. And God is calling a people to live counterculture 
in opposite to the philosophies of this age. God is calling a people to live according to the principles and the precepts of the word of God in word and in deed. But the enemy of our souls, the enemy and the God of this world would have us to believe that the word of God is outdated, is ineffective, and is antiquated. That the only way that we can win those who are searching is to blend in and integrate to the new age and pull it in to our own way of life. But I have come here today to stand in direct opposition to that lie from the enemy of our souls. You hear me today? There are literally souls that are hanging in the balance of life and they are hopping back and they are hopping forth between two opinions and they are looking for stability. They are looking for steadfastness and they are looking for something that is unchanging and something that is unwavering and hear me when they decide and when they find and when all of their searching comes to a to a fruitless end and they understand that the world can't answer their questions and the majority of the non-transformational messages that are being taught are no longer sufficing their lives hear me today God is going to answer God is going to answer because they are going to find the people who are uncompromising they are going to find the people who are completely sold out to God and so the only question that remains here today are you going to answer the call that is on your life or are you going to retreat into obscurity are you going to take the call of God seriously then are you going to step in to your purpose individually in the kingdom or are you going to simply retreat back in to obscurity I hope that I have gathered here today with people who are unashamedly going to step out onto the scene I hope that I have gathered here today with people who are unashamedly going to show themselves to this world and say this is who I am uh, this is how I'm going to live this is how I'm going to conduct myself I'm not going to take my cues from the world but I'm going to take my direction from the word of God hear me today let me just say this to our young people right now you don't have to be ashamed of who you are you don't have to be ashamed of what this world may say to you because you live the way you live even if you are the only one in your school tomorrow morning you wake up and you ask God to put his hand on your life and you walk into that school and you tell everyone around you by your lifestyle that I am a child of God you don't have to be ashamed and we don't have to compromise the way we live all we have to do is live according to the word of God and hear me today God is going to give us revival and God is going to help us effectively evangelize this community and the world around us if we'll just simply lift our hands if we'll just simply lift our voices and surrender to the will and the way of God God will show himself strong and God will 
answer at an appointed time. He will show himself to be strong and he will show himself to be mighty because we have a promise and it is found in Mark chapter 16 verses 18 through 20. The Bible says that he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if anything, if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And the Bible says that they went forth and they preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following amen. Hear me today. We don't have to compromise what we're teaching. We don't have to go another direction of what we're preaching. We don't have to change the way we're living. All we got to do is stand strong and let God do the fighting for us because he will go before us. He will work with us and there will be signs and there will be wonders and there will be an explanation of God in this earth. I want you to lift your hands right now. I want you to lift your voices right now. I I think we ought to have somebody answer the call of God today that is on their lives. I think we ought to have somebody step into their purpose today that is on their lives. I think we ought to have somebody who'll stand unashamedly and tell the world, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Not what you want me to do. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, lift your voices. Lift your hearts. Lift your hands. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.